0: Hey, welcome
1: to Horse Hour. I'm Amy Frost and my guest today is Sandy Phillips. Sandy's ridden internationally in dressage and eventing. She was a member of the US Olympic dressage team and rode in three world championships. She moved to England and became a member of the British dressage team for the Europeans and world championships, as well as British national champion. Sandy's an FEI I judge for both eventing and dressage, and you'll hear her speaking at the International Eventing Forum next week. This is Horse Hour. Welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. My guest today is international dressage trainer, judge and rider, Sandy Phillips, Sandy's going to be talking at the International Eventing Forum on the 5th of February, giving her expert advice. Sandy, how are you? Good morning. I'm very well, thank you. That is quite a mouthful of an introduction, isn't it, of, of, of everything that you've done in the industry. It's incredible. What was it that started, you know, where, where did your passion come from? Was it was it your younger days? Was it just the love of horses?
2: I'm afraid I've been addicted to them since um, as long as I can remember my grandmother was very keen on riding and so I spent most of my childhood following her around the
1: stables. What did she do? Was she a dressage rider or an adventure?
2: No 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 she um
1: I grew up in Hawaii and at that time
2: there was nothing too formal and so um they had a cattle ranch so I grew up riding western and herding cattle.
1: Oh wow oh my gosh so you're super brave. (laughs) That's very different, Sandy, to, you know, to to international dressage.
2: (laughs) Well, I hated dressage. All I wanted to do was jump and gallop my ponies on the beach and take them swimming and, and jump everything I could see. And it was when I had had a little bit of success with eventing, I was always held back by my terrible dressage scores. So I figured I had to go and learn something about that.
1: Phase. Do you know that's really interesting I've heard that quite a lot lately of the passion and the speed of cross-country and the technique of jumping the fences and and show jumping that, that people are struggling more with the dressage and then once they realize that actually dressage is the basis and skeleton of all disciplines I believe they then suddenly go oh wow you know this is this when you understand it, it it's kind of an eye-opener isn't it?
2: Well that's the key isn't it? It's the understanding and when you're a kid all you want to do is jump on and go fast and the last thing you want to think about or hear is somebody telling you how to put your heels down and sit straight and you know little technical things that you really could care less about.
1: So at what point was it that your mind changed and you know was it doing more dressage? What what was it about the dressage that you loved so much?
2: It was a development because of a particular event horse I had that was basically unrideable on the flat. So I never did dressage with him to events and jumped him. And um, he ended up being second at Badminton. Oh, wow. And go to the World Championship. And um, when I got there to the training camp, the at the time tried to make me um, train the horse. <laughs> <laughs> and I told him that I never trained the horse, and he said that's not possible. You have to be able to train the horse and I said, well, I have a a pact with this horse. we have an understanding, but if I don't pressure him and make him do these things he doesn't want, then he'll do them for me in the test well enough
0: mm-hmm.
2: and he didn't agree and um which I understand from his point of view now, but i I would always tell any rider. That you know your horse best. The trainer may have all the best intentions, but you know your horse, and you must be true to your horse. So I followed this trainer's directions, and my horse went completely crazy. So I basically couldn't. He was pretty unridable for a couple of years, <clears throat> and I had another horse that I had brought along at the time, who was a dressage horse, and. I ended up doing well on this horse, so to Germany for a month to work under the trainer who was coach at that time, George Tedorescu was his name, mm. and this man sat on my event horse, and in 20 minutes, put him in a balance, and totally transformed everything I'd ever seen in my entire life. I was absolutely gobsmacked, and decided I wasn't leaving Germany until I could do what he'd just done.
1: (laughs) It sounded like a good plan and and it worked, didn't it? How long did it take you to do what he did?
2: Oh, it took a long, long time, quite a few years. But the thing was, no one had ever explained it to me uh, putting a horse in balance and actually the mechanics of it and what you need to do to achieve that. So once it was explained, then... I'm a fairly logical person, so it made sense to me. So then I had something to work on rather than just this, you know, make a rounder circle, have more expression. You know, the the comments that you get aren't always helpful to understanding what you actually need to do. Mm.
1: And, and how, how do you explain that now, Sandy, for people that are trying to understand how to balance your horse and, you know, have them in, in good contact, as it's called, how would you explain that?
2: Well, all of riding is about balance. It doesn't matter whether you're jumping, show jumping, cross-country or dressage. So it is the development of that balance that allows you to do as well or as not well um, because your horse will find it easy when it's in balance to show itself off to the best of its ability. Mm-hmm. So as, as a rider, my job is to understand how to put my horse in the best balance that he can give me at that time. So obviously when he's three and four and five, he's going to be not as strong and not able to hold his balance like he would when he's seven or eight. So it's, as a rider, developing your understanding of how horses develop and being able to develop them according to their age and, and their talent, you know like lots of things some talented horses can learn things quicker but still they don't have the physical strength so if you keep repeating hard exercises because they actually find them easy that's when you get veterinary issues coming in
0: mm.
1: and it's difficult for a rider as well we've, we've got to have the strength to be able to keep them in the balance and from because I'm actually going through this process at the moment with my own horse of trying to get him balanced and my goodness, I, you know, I have stitches all over the place. I'm exhausted because he's a big boy and it's not easy. And and I'm I'm surprised as a as a rider, I'm surprised at how heavy he is in the early days when you're trying to teach them to 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 lift themselves up.
2: There's two things to that. The riders have a huge responsibility to be fit themselves and when I say that I mean fit in their core because I must be able to balance myself with my core muscles, not with my hand, or my horse will never be properly in balance. Mm. and then if you can if you understand how to work horses from the ground so that they learn the basic that when you get on, what does it mean when you put your leg on? Does it mean just go faster, go straight ahead? Uh, you know what does it actually mean? And when you teach a horse to be able to bend from your leg. What makes a horse strong, it's when its shoulders go straight ahead and the energy from the haunches push the horse on the shoulders, so then all you can do with your hands is pull back. So you have the horse in the wrong balance because you're pushing and pulling. So it's the wrong sequence in the timing to be able to make a horse engage and improve its self-carriage. I teach my horses, all my young horses start in the stable And I teach them what I mean with my hand being my leg, teach them what I mean and where I want them to place their hind leg so that the shoulder can lift. And they all learn to walk around the stable, do a halt, walk, halt, walk, change direction. And they understand how to make the haunches lift the front. So then when I get on, they know what I'm talking about
1: or Mm. they have at least some idea. That's interesting, do you do that by yourself or do you have somebody else to help put the horse's leg in the right position? No, I do it by myself. It's very simple if you understand
2: the mechanics of how these animals move. It's not complicated. It's just the haunches need to take the weight, whereas the horses are naturally built on their forehand. So it's not normal for them. And you teach them to place the inside hind leg under their body so they can take the weight there. And then the energy of when they step there pushes the forehand forward and up. Mm. So they learn that timing with your aid and the haunches lift the forehand and there you go
1: <laughs> yeah amazing is there is there an element of the the, the horses cuz you say it's very natural as well so uh, the the horses naturally Uh, on their forehand and we're trying to show them to to be on their hind legs. Um, In my head I'm thinking well I've I've, you know I've I've had lots of lessons and I I know what I'm supposed to do and I know what the horse is supposed to do but I have to actually change my own mindset as a rider as well sometimes into what I'm expecting to feel because until you feel that for the first time you're you're only imagining what it's supposed to feel like and I remember being really shocked that in the first instance, it was go go go, get the horse moving forward, and then I, I felt like I had nothing on the end, you know, nothing on the head at all. So it was all about learning mm-hmm. about my balance, um, and mm-hmm. then then I was I was shocked at, at how horse the he- how heavy the horse was to start with. Until he got that balance, and then the second he got that balance, I felt like I was flying on a flying carpet because again I had I had nothing. In the bit, as it were, I had nothing on my hands. And I'm imagining that's that's the way it's... Is that the way it's supposed to be? Are you supposed to not feel much or is it supposed to be heavy?
2: Well, oh, you know, every horse is different. It's like, you know, when you hold someone's hand, how, how much pressure do you like to feel? Everyone has a different idea of what is comfortable for them. So you need to figure out with your horse what achieves a consistent and comfortable connection that both of you are happy with. If it's too light, you'll probably run into some problems at some point. If it's too heavy, it'll be the same thing. So you need to find the middle road that you're both happy with. And it's about, as a rider, when I sit on the horse, I have to find a place to sit in the saddle and I have to, it's the timing, which is the crucial part. Because I have to be able to give my aids without my, when my leg comes on, my hand cannot tense back and my body cannot tense backward. And that is the biggest, most difficult thing for people to learn because they push and pull, and that makes a jam. It blocks the movement. It blocks the energy coming from the back through to the front of the horse. So it's learning a coordination of the aid of that you can put your leg on and, it, and you bring the energy from behind to the front, whether it's a one-inch step or a 12-foot stride. And that's a very difficult thing for people to understand to begin with. It's not about going fast. It's about energy and where you want to place that energy.
1: And um, isn't it amazing that that moment that you you get that feel and even if it's for a stride and, and you can feel it, like we always say, it's always about the feel. Because ultimately, my question before was because um, I'm a bit soft, as many of our listeners are very gentle with our horses, we're, we're all about horse welfare and we want to make sure that we're not hurting them or, or training them incorrectly so mm-hmm. along with our trainers we want to make sure we're not doing that pushing pulling we're not holding our horses heads down um, and we're trying to show them that that this is that they can carry themselves and, and I remember the moment that Blackjack got it for the first time it was only a couple of strides and it felt incredible no wonder you love the sport <laughs> so much <laughs> it was just just (laughs) harmony and I remember saying to my instructor Rachel my goodness like that's it I need to call it a day now because we've only done two strides (laughs) but I've done it (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: yeah well that's right and you know it it also depends how people learn I'm a very visual person and so if I see someone do it um then I know what I'm looking for and I I'm I'm a copycat so I can copy what I see. Mm -hmm. So I teach my horses this work from the ground and it's the same idea. If I have a student with me and they watch what I'm doing and they can see the timing and they can see the effect it has on the horse, then they have a visual idea of what they trying to achieve when they get on.
1: So your horse is now then, Sandy, because your, your career's moved on to where you, you're a top FEI judge in both eventing and dressage. And, you know, you were at Rio judging there, which is it must have been such an incredible opportunity and uh, experience for you. Was that good? Oh, it was fabulous, yeah. It was um,
2: one of the highlights is always to be able to go to the Olympics and, you know, and participate for me in another way from you know being a competitor to being a judge was fabulous and i had we had a great team of judges and um you know some fantastic horses and riders and an amazing results i mean no one expected france to win i can tell
1: you
2: <laughs> but that's you know that's sport and it was it was great
1: mm. it was funny because i was a, a real backseat judge and i remember looking at your scoring points going yes sandy yes i agree <laughs> 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 I thought it was brilliant really enjoyed it uh, but but in terms of your you know now that you're judging and now that you're you know you're still instructing are you still finding time to ride do you still ride your own horses?
2: I ride them not as often as I did before because it's it, for me it's all about continuity and when I ride I I expect a certain amount of my horses and they get used to that and then when someone else gets on them who doesn't it's a bit like making your child have good manners at the table and then you go away for a week and the nanny doesn't make them put their napkin on their lap or, you know, mm. eat with their, they can eat with their fingers and then they then get confused, basically. It's like anything. They're like kids. They need a, a steady way to follow that is consistent. So I tend to, because I'm away so much, I do a lot of work from the ground with my riders and if I need to get on, I do. So it's a mixture of mixture of things. Mm-hmm.
1: And how many horses do you have now? Uh, probably about twenty-five. Oh my goodness! And you and you own all of them?
2: Yes, I've done a lot of breeding from my good mares. Um, the mare that I rode, who was the national champion, and I rode at the worlds. I have a lot of foals from her, who are.
1: Very nice. Oh, how lovely, because you can start the groundwork from when they're they're real babies then, can't you? And
0: you can leave
1: them.
0: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door.
1: how amazing well because I can imagine you taking on a lot of broken horses as well because you sound really kind
2: (laughs) (laughs) well it's just understanding you know when you it's I think um, many people who like myself I did not understand dressage at all I thought it was completely boring because I had no idea how it worked and when you understand something then it's easy to be calm and considerate
1: and because you know what to do Mm. and out of your career we're always learning all the time different ways different techniques different I mean the science that's coming out at the moment is incredible for helping our horses movements is there a Mm time is there one thing that was like a light bulb moment for you other than your lovely friend in Germany that you thought actually this is what's going to take me from one rider to the international level
2: no, you know, I'd ridden at the international level before I went to Germany, and I had gotten away with a certain amount of talent and some nice horses, but when I look back, I was not riding well, and I certainly didn't have much understanding about what I was doing. I just had a natural, I had a natural feel for cross-country. I'm quite brave, so I didn't mind going, running, and jumping over whatever was in front of me. It didn't bother me, but... I wasn't very technical. <laughs> <laughs> so, it was when I finally got an explanation that I could understand that made sense. Um, then I started to have some building blocks that I could play with. And, you know, I've had since that trainer, I've I've worked with some other trainers. And some of them, there are, there's another trainer that I really respect. Hubert Um, is also a very, I mean amazing rider about being able to put a horse in balance and that's what I really look for is riders that can do that without harsh bits, draw reins,
1: all that
0: Mm. sort
1: of stuff. It sounds like you're very soft with the horses, gentle with the horses, horse welfare I'm presuming is really important to you because you just sound like you care about them.
2: I've had them all since the day they were born. So
1: So they're your babies. They're
2: like my kids,
1: yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I have a question. When when you then stepped up to become an FEI judge, they use. Mm-hmm. Please, please correct me if I'm wrong, but they use different bits. So there's this double bridle that that they have to use, and they do look quite. They do look quite harsh. I mean, they might not be. I, I don't know. No. I'm hoping you can tell me, but it, look, it no, looks. No, they're quite not harsh. No.
2: What you have to understand is um, the reason for the double is so that you can refine your aids even more. So you use, the more your horse is trained, you should use less and less aid to get mm-hmm. the same results. So when, when the kid is young, I have to be really black and white and say, now, this is what's allowed, this is not. And then once they understand, I don't have to speak in such a loud voice. I can They understand. So it's the same with the horse. So as they move up the, the levels and their balance increases, and they know the movements, and they know more what's expected of them, then the double bridle comes in so that you have more control by doing even less. Mm -hmm. So basically, if you watch the top riders, they control the horse with their seat. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not controlled with the hand. The hand is Receiving the results of the energy that the rider has been able to create from behind, so you receive the energy into your hand, and if you are hard with your hand, you shut it down, so you don't get a good score because you want, aren't going to show self-carriage, impulsion. You can't show impulsion with a, a you know, ten-ton weight on the front. Mm-hmm. It just won't won't happen. So it's about being able to show the lightness, the self-carriage. Everything you can read in the directives of the tests, everything we want to see in a more refined way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like anything, you know, people can abuse it. People can put them on horses that are too strong. Why are they too strong? Because the rider hasn't put them in balance. So they can use double bridles to control horses like that. And, you know, I don't think it's not the way to do it, but you're always going to have some situations like that but with education you hope that that becomes less and less
1: Mm. oh that makes perfect sense
2: the difficult thing is for riders you know wanting to come along this path is i cannot tell you how important it is to go and watch really good trainers as much as you can if you can't afford lessons every week you need to train your eye to see what's what's right and i can tell you Trainers are, they're not ogres, and if you ask Mm -hmm. them questions, they will answer you, Mm. and that's how I grew up, you know, I just asked one million questions, and I never stopped asking questions, and they're going to answer you, they'll tell you, Um, and then you have something to work on that week, and then you go back again, and you go, and you keep going back, because it's no good having a lesson once a month, or once every two weeks, and great if you got your two steps but to do a whole dressage test you need a lot more than two steps
0: Mm.
2: so to build that and to have the confidence that you're doing the right thing you need repetition and you just best thing you can do is train your eye by going to watch quality work
1: and it's, you know, when we go to competitions, it's, it's, I find it fascinating going, uh, watching everybody warm up because you can see the warm-up rings and quite often the trainers are there and they're just giving them, giving them a few tips and I pick up loads of advice just from watching that. I find it amazing.
2: Yeah, that's
1: right. Oh, Sandy. So your balance, I have to ask you this. Do you think you got your balance from your Western riding days? <laughs>
2: I probably got my balance from my bareback riding days. Wow. We used to ride bareback <laughs> everywhere. and <laughs> So I spent many, many, many years riding bareback and Western and all that.
1: Because there's a big stuff. divide between Western and, and, and English. And, I, and when I look at Western riders and the guys based over in America, and I think, oh, their balance is always incredible. The, you know, when you were going and chasing the cattle, herding the cattle and... And I think because they don't seem to have anything on the end of their hand. So, and I had a go at Western riding once and it was, it was a whole other world. I mean, I used my body so much more, um, even though the yeah. position's slightly different. You know, it's not as upright. I think I was sat upright because I was used to English, but I really felt my core working. And, and I, sometimes I think there's such a big divide between the different disciplines in equestrianism. We all could learn a little bit from each other.
2: There's not a difference. Yes certain technicalities in in tests that you need to do, of course. Um, But it is all about balance. And when I first went to Germany, given that I had ridden at the World Championships and a bunch of other international things, this trainer took one look at me and said, "Uh, well, I'll tell you the whole story. So I walked in the school having never, this was my first day. So I'm on my horse on the inside track just walking on a long rain, And I'm watching everybody else going around doing their stuff. And this voice says, don't pull back. So I'm turning around looking and I can't see who they're talking about. And 30 seconds later, the voice says the same thing louder. And um, now I'm, you know, really turning around. And then he screams. I said, don't pull back. And I turn around and and I I said, are you talking to me? He said, yes. I said, I'm on the buckle. I'm on the buckle on a flapping long rein. He says, yes, look where your hand is. So I I had my elbow bent, so my hand was like straight in front of me, but it was up, just like straight in front of me. He says, you're pulling back. I said, the reins are in a loop on both sides. He said, put your hand down. put my hand down. The horse put its head down, and it increased its walk by I can't tell you what. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I am in big trouble here. (laughs) (laughs) So he says to me, now, go on a 20-meter circle. Put your horse in shoulder in. Put your reins in the outside hand. You go from walk to trot, trot to canter, canter to trot, canter to walk. You do every transition with the reins in one hand, in shoulder in, until you can do them all and your horse is pushing from behind to the bit you are not allowed off this 20-meter circle well. my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) So, one month later, I was allowed off the circle. And two weeks later, I had to go on my first international in Germany at Neumunster. So, that's the, um, you know, people don't know what hard work is now. They think hard work is 10 minutes of, you know, put your horse together. I'm telling you, I used to get off this horse. I couldn't stand up. I had to lean against the wall my back was so tired and from trying to get this horse from behind without using my hands Mm. that's what really needs to happen if people really want to learn it is not airy fairy you need to be really strong in your core and you need to be to understand what hard work is (laughs) (laughs) it's not (laughs) you get what you put in you know how did Um, you do that competition How did I do that competition? Well, I laughed. The trainer was absolutely furious with me. It was so cold that the arenas were frozen. Mm. And so the judges had to have fan heaters at their feet in front of the podiums. So my horse went in and there was a fan heater at E and you had to do the half pass to E and then back the other way. So it got sort of to the quarter line. Heard and saw the fan heater with the thing billowing out and, you know, checked out and went the other way. Did the same thing when it was heading to sea, just turned too early. And so it was not a good test. So I came out <laughs> well, saying, oh, well, you know, this trainer was furious. That's not good enough. You should never allowed it on and on and on and I still laugh now when I hear think about it. But yes, was it? you know, if it, if it had been the world championships, well, that would not have been good, but it was an international and you know, we lived to fight another day and I had to I had to get better and stronger about being able to control the back end of my horse to keep it in front of me mm. so that didn't happen. But was I going to kill myself over it happening on that day? No. But it didn't happen again.
1: Oh, did it? <laughs> did it? And I, uh, did he ever shout at you again? I think I would have been in tears. Well, we
2: all have a journey, you know, and if, if you want to do it badly enough, you will find a way to do it. And I was determined to learn the correct way. And, you know, there's a lot of, it's not just a straight road. Mm. There are always a few hurdles on the way. <laughs>
1: Well, Sandy, thank you so so much for sharing those stories. Um, we can't wait to see you at the International Eventing Forum on the fifth of February. Uh, you're joined by some incredible guests. I love this forum. There's Frederick Bergendoff, uh, co-founder Eric Smiley. Do you know? So, do you know what time you're on, Sandy? I believe
2: I'm the first one on, first guinea pig. Oh, perfect! So, and have you
1: have you got have you got riders with you? Are you going to be doing like a rider display? I've,
2: I've got two two event riders that are going to be joining me. Oh, fantastic. So who I've, are they? Um, Tom McEwen and Jonty Evans. Oh,
1: amazing! Oh, two really yeah. fun riders as well. So you can have a giggle while
0: you're
2: yeah. doing
1: it. <laughs> Hopefully, we will. Jonty's always <laughs> smiling. He's always smiling. I know I he's it. great. Yeah. Oh, well, that's fab. So that's the 5th of February. Sandy, we can't wait to watch you. Thank you so, so much. I hope you weather the storm okay. And, um, yes. and we'll see you on the 5th.
2: All right. Look forward to it. Thanks so much. Thank see you. you.
1: Bye. Bye thanks so much for listening I hope you enjoyed this week's episode you can still get tickets to the International Eventing Forum which is on the 5th of February if you just head to their website internationaleventingforum.com and we will put that on our website horsehour.co.uk and of course on Twitter as well I hope you enjoy Horse Hour on Twitter this evening our networking hour is between 8pm and 9pm UK time every Monday night gives you the chance just to share your stories with you and your horses, whether it's pictures or videos or if you'd like to ask some advice as well Um, you can get more advice on our website horsehour.co.uk in our education hub and stay up to date with everything that's going on in the event season uh, and of course on Instagram and Facebook too I hope you have a really good week with your horse and I'll speak to you soon
2: You've been listening to Horse Hour. Join the community on Twitter, Mondays, 8pm UK time, 3pm Eastern by using the hashtag HorseHour.
0: Follow Amy at amystevenson1 and subscribe to us on Acast, iTunes, Stitcher and Player FM.